Amen. You can have a seat. Good morning. How are we all this morning? Good? Awesome. Well, my name is Russell. Uh, I am the student pastor here, and I have been for about seven months now, and it has been awesome. It's been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed it a ton. Oh, thanks you. Yeah. Let's go, Russell. Yeah, all right. Oh, thanks, students. Appreciate that. Well, uh, I'm excited to speak with you guys this morning. Brad asked me to speak, uh, and I was really looking forward to it, because over these last two or three months, uh, the Lord has been laying some things on my heart that's been really cool, uh, and I also thought you guys might want to see a little younger face, so that's fun, too. Uh, just love you, Brad. Don't worry. But I like to do things a little differently. Uh, on the Enneagram, I'm a seven, which is an enthusiast. On the Myers-Briggs, I am a campaigner, which is all about community, adventure, and bringing people together for fun. Uh, and then just in life, I like to have fun, be active, and play some games. So today, this morning, we are going to play a little game together. You guys ready? I see you guys like uh, youth pastors, and I can't believe them. Well, don't worry. It's not going to be like the games we play at youth group where you're probably going to hear a lot of screaming and yelling. You're going to get hit in the face with a volleyball. You're going to get hit with a pool noodle. Or you're probably going to walk out of here with a carpet burn. Am I right, guys? Yeah, they're all shaking their head like, oh, it's the worst. Today, we're just going to be doing a participation game. And essentially what's going to be happening is there's going to be some images that are going to be thrown up on the screens behind me. Uh, and we are going to decide if these images are wonders or if they are problems. So what's going to happen is I'm going to say, raise your hand if you think this image is a wonder Put your hand down, and then raise your hand if you think this image is a problem, and you put your hand down. Here's the key. I already came to conclusions and opinions on if these things are wonders or problems in my life. So really, this little game is going to be about you guys getting to know me some more, uh, and also allowing me to breathe a little bit. So is that going to be fun? Yeah. Sweet. All right. Let's start this off. So can we have the first one up, please? Chick-fil-A closed on Sunday. All righty. Raise your hand if you think this is a wonder. All righty, sounds good. Put your hands down. Raise your hand if you think this is a problem. All righty. You problem people may be on the same wavelength with me, but Chick-fil-A closed on Sunday. Why is it that every Sunday I always want Chick-fil-A? Oh, my goodness. Countless times in college when me and my friends would get done with church or when we get done with youth group that night, it was like, oh, dude, I'm craving from Chick-fil-A. Just worship the Lord. Just learn about him. Let's go get some Lord's chicken. Let's go do it. And so we'd get in our car and we'd go driving. And within like the first two minutes of the drive, one of our friends would be like, it's Sunday. Chick-fil-A's closed. And we'd have to settle for like Cane's or Popeye's chicken. Ugh. It was just, <laughs> Next image, please. Ah, a beautiful Arizona sunset. Raise your hand if this is a wonder. Awesome. Put your hands down. Raise your hand if this is a problem. That is okay if you raise your hand, but I appreciate you guys for not. Uh, yes, I've been born and raised in Arizona all my life, and so I love Arizona sunsets and sunrises. When I was off in college in Kansas, I was like, these Kansas sunrises and sunsets suck. Like, this is lame compared to what we have in Arizona. So I'm so glad to be back and being able to wake up and go to bed with sunrises and sunsets. It's amazing. Uh, next image, please. This one's going to be a little controversial. This is going to be fun. So Popeye's chicken sandwiches over Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches. If you think this is a wonder and you like Popeye's chicken sandwiches, raise your hand. Okay, be bold, be brave, own it, I love it, right on, put your hands down. Now, raise your hand if you think this is a problem and you like Chick-fil-A sandwiches better. Okay, you're my people. I'll be honest right here. I love Chick-fil-A sandwiches, especially the spices. I always get a spicy. Um, Popeye's people, that's okay, but I'm just going to preface this. One day, when we all go to heaven, there's going to be Chick-fil-A sandwiches at the Lord's table. So, Popeye's, you're missing out a little bit, but that's okay. I got three more for us. All right, this one's more for me. A Dr. Pepper can with a heart above it 
five X's throughout different sodas and hashtag Dr. Pepper's life. Raise your hand if you think this is a wonder and you like Dr. Pepper with me. I appreciate you guys so much. That's the most hands so far. Uh, Raise your hand if you think this is a problem and either you like any of the other sodas or you just don't like soda. Oh yeah, now all hands like, yeah, soda, yeah, bad for you, yeah. Well, uh, yes, I love Dr. Pepper. That hashtag is me, Dr. Pepper is life. If you ever go to anywhere with me for lunch or dinner, I'm having a Dr. Pepper in my hand. If you step inside my office, I have a mini fridge full of Dr. Pepper. In fact, the only time I'm not is when my wife is like, Russell, you've drank Dr. Pepper for five days now. Drink some water, you're going to die. Okay, sorry, babe. Next one. That is a photo of me and my family uh, when I got married. So raise your hand if you think this is a wonder. Okay, raise your hand if you think this is a problem. All righty. So people that say problem, you're actually with me. Yes, I love my family. They're wonderful. But here's the problem in it. I am the oldest of four kids, and I am not the tallest. Goodness gracious. Marley, the one in the bright orange dress, she is two years younger than me. And so it's been like when we were born, I was five years old, and she was three. And then it was like she got four, and from ever then on, I've just been chasing her by one inch my whole life. So that was a rough childhood. And then Whitney on the far left, she is a junior in high school. I hate to admit it because she's here right now, but she is as tall as me, if not taller than me, and that's tough. But uh, really, Jenna's my favorite because she's shorter than me, so that's why I appreciate Jenna the most. But no, I love my family, I love my sisters, and they're all wonderful. Last one for us, here we go. The wedding day of me and my bride, Mary Frances. Raise your hand if this is a wonder. And all your hands should be up because I'm not even going to ask if this is a problem. This was a beautiful day. Best day of my life. Uh, I'm so glad I got to marry the love of my life and my best friend in Mary Frances. She's in the coffee shop. Sheds a tear. Well, hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Uh, And now you guys know a little bit more about me. But in reality, I don't know a lot about you guys. I mean, I've only been here for about seven months, and I'm not saying I'm going to be able to meet all of you guys this morning, uh, but what I would like to offer up is I'm going to be hanging out and about around here and also in the plaza once service ends, and I would love for you guys to introduce yourself to me, be prepared for me to introduce myself to you, uh, or if you just want to talk about what we're going to be talking about this morning, like, that would be really awesome. Well, well Russell, what, what are we talking about this morning? Does it have anything to do with that wonderful activity we just did? Wow, thank you guys for asking. It does. Oh, that is so cool. You guys are so interactive. I love it. Wow, this is going to be great. You see, for, for most of my life, uh, I've been on this journey. And this journey has been wrapped up in and has formed what my identity looks like. And those images on the screen were just bits and pieces of who I am. There's still a whole lot more that's about me, my relationship with Jesus, and so many other things. Um, And this morning, we were going to be talking about identity. But I want to approach the idea of identity in kind of a different lens than normal. Uh, The approach is going to come in the form of a question. And the question is going to go like this. Are you viewing yourself as a problem to solve or a wonder to behold? I'll say it one more time. Are you viewing yourself as a problem to solve or a wonder to behold? Because the way we end up viewing ourselves is often how we end up viewing others in the world around us. You see, our identity determines how we live our lives when we're around people, but also how we live our lives when no one is watching. And so today, we're going to be in Genesis 1, 26 to 27, as well as some some supporting scriptures to kind of bring this thought to life. And it's going to be a lot of fun. But before we get there, uh, can I get a little personal with you guys? Yeah, okay, thanks guys over here. I appreciate that. Uh, Well, everywhere, (laughs) as I said earlier, identity is a huge deal to me. 
I mean, for a second, try to put your guys' self in my shoes as Russell Wilson here. Everywhere I go, I am always mistaken for one of these two guys on the screen. Oh, geez. Yeah, you guys, it's a hard life. The guy on the right, uh, his name is Grant Gustin. He is the actor that plays The Flash in a TV series called The Flash. Uh, But look at us. We both have dashing good looks. We have great hair. We can run really fast. And uh, he's got this superpower. uh, It's called like the speed force. And what happens is it allows his metabolism to work at an extremely fast rate to where he doesn't gain weight. And I'm pretty sure I got that, which is awesome. (laughs) And then the guy on the left, his name is Russell Wilson. Yes, I said that right. He's the professional quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks. And look at us. We're a little shorter, but we're athletic, like yoked dudes. We have beautiful wives. Uh, No difference in appearance whatsoever. Um, Oh, but we're also in the MVP running for organizations. Russell Wilson is in the most viable player awards, uh, and I'm in the most viable pastor position. So, you know, that's a lot of fun. Love you, Brad. Um, Oh, and we also make about $35 million a year. So that's, that's a blast. Just joking. If you think that's even remotely true, uh, I work with students. (laughs) But for real, identity is a big deal to me. Growing up, I loved school. I really did. I enjoyed making countless memories with a whole group of friends. I enjoyed playing on all the different sports teams from baseball, flag football, basketball, soccer. And I just loved trying to get my crush to look at me once at the lunch table. That was so much fun. But at the same time, it was also really tough. I mean, every year, I was always the oldest kid in my class, without a doubt, always the oldest. But I was also always the shortest kid in my class. And I I get messed with and I I get picked on for being small and get called names like short stuff or Brussels sprouts or you're killing me smalls. The girls in my grade never wanted to date me because I was uber friend zoned and I was just this short little cute kid. I was a pastor's kid, shout out to any PKs out there, uh, but as a pastor's kid, you really, people didn't want to say certain words around you because like you're religious and a pastor's kid and all. And then if I were to say any of like my Christian cuss words, like, oh shoot, darn, crap, Bob Saget, people would laugh at me. <laughs> I'm not saying these things to look for pity though. I'm just saying that all these things growing up were, were really hard and actually ended up viewing myself as a problem more so than a wonder to behold. You see, even though I was a pastor's kid and I got baptized at 11 years old, my identity was not truly rooted in Jesus and who he wonderfully created me to be. It took up until my senior year of high school and then my freshman year of college to live into the Lord created me and to realize that I was a wonder to behold. So my senior year of high school, uh, I didn't have a home church I didn't have a home youth group, and I was on my third high school in four years, and that senior year was a new high school. And so I went to this Christian camp over the summer as a senior uh, called CIY with a group of my friends, and these were 15 friends from a bunch of different schools, like Northwest, Joy, Liberty High School, Sunrise, Mountain Ridge, all over the place. And these guys were in my youth group that ended up shutting down. And I remember just having the best and the most life-giving week of camp in Durango, Colorado. I mean, for real, it was so much fun. The Lord made it present and made it known of who I was and who he created me to be that week of camp. I was a guy who could bring people together for fun, hangouts, community from all sorts of different backgrounds and, and schools. I was a guy who could have intentional conversations with strangers and some of my closest friends about who Jesus was. Then I was a guy who could laugh at himself and embarrass himself so that way others could have joy in their life and see laughter. 
And then I went off to Manhattan Christian College, which is in Kansas, not New York, sadly. But I began to study this thing called youth ministry, or whatever that was. And by the end of that year, over that summer, I did this thing called a camp teams. And camp teams with our school is uh, essentially you travel around to a whole bunch of junior high and high school camps for 10 weeks in the Midwest. And man, that was so much fun. Like, to the date, it's probably still the best summer of my life. You see, what happened is when I hung out with these high school and junior high students, I realized something. I realized that they actually liked who I was more than I really liked who I was. They looked up to me. They wanted to play basketball and soccer with me. They wanted me on their dodgeball team. They wanted to sit next to me at chapel, at lunch, at dinner, at breakfast. They wanted to talk to me about who Jesus was. And and after camp, a lot of them would get my Instagram or Facebook and would want to connect. And I still talk to some of these kids even today. And that was so cool. You see, during those two years of my life, the, more, the Lord made it known and felt that hanging out with junior high and high school students was something that he designed me to do and created me for. You see, I had to remember that the Lord views me as a wonder to behold, and that he has created me in his wonderful image. Can I let you guys in on a little secret here? Did you know that you were beautifully created? In fact, you were created perfectly by a perfect God. To cause means to make happen. God made all of you guys happen. He created you. In Genesis 1.27, it says this. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. But have you ever thought about verse 26, which comes right before this? It reads this. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Can I take you on a short theological journey here really quick? One that may or may not make sense, but I really hope it does because it's going to be pretty cool. Okay, 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 cool, awesome, awesome. So the Russell growing up in church, in youth group, in high school, and even in college didn't fully understand verse 26. I mean, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. I always, I always thought it was like God, singular. We were created in God's image alone. And maybe there was like angels there at the beginning. Like I get that. So maybe it's angels, but I think there's so much more to that. John 1, 1 through 4 reads off this. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God and God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. And so just so you guys know, there's a ton of really smart theologians who are smarter than me and even Brad, believe it or not. But these theologians would say that the word here is actually referencing to a person and not referencing to a text, a book, or some item. They would conclude that the word is referencing to Jesus, as to which I would agree. And so if we see the word here, and if the word is Jesus, then what we could do is we could essentially substitute Jesus in for the word, and also for the pronouns he and him in this passage, and it would make complete sense. So we're going to try it out. In the beginning, Jesus already existed. Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Jesus existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through Jesus, and nothing was created except through Jesus. There are also a lot of passages in the Bible that talk about Jesus being the word of God. One specifically here is in Revelation 19, 13, and it says this, He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. 
Revelation 19 is pretty cool. It's a really fantastic scene. It's an image of a rider coming down on a white horse from heaven who's faithful and true, and he's got tattooed on his thigh, king of kings and lord of lords. Just for a quick moment, imagine that scene. Like, that would be a really sweet scene. Like, that's something that I would see coming straight out of Lord of the Rings. You guys ever seen Lord of the Rings? If you haven't, I highly recommend you do. But my dad and I, we love Lord of the Rings. I remember this one time, my dad and I were messing around, and, and he was talking about tattoos and stuff like that. And he's like, oh, Russell, it'd be so cool if I got a tattoo on my thigh that said King of Kings and Lord of Lords, just like Jesus did when he returned. And I was like, yeah, dad, that's cool. I'm pretty sure that's also like blasphemy and heresy, but whatever. <laughs> no, but we were just messing around. But anyway, back on track here. So if we see that Jesus is the word of God and the word was at creation, who is Jesus, then if we go back to the beginning, like Genesis beginning, we can read on to some stuff here in Genesis 1, 1 through 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. And the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Huh, the spirit of God, like the Holy Spirit, at creation too. Well, I think if we want more clarification on this, we can look to what Paul says about if the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God here in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 10 and 12. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit. For his Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. And we have received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. There's that word wonderful again. I don't think that's a coincidence. So now we see that the Holy Spirit was involved in creation. And then we also know that Jesus is the word of God. And if the word was at creation, who is Jesus? And then we all probably have this general understanding that God is the creator and he was at creation as well. So, so wait a second. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, all that creation together, that's the Trinity. That's pretty sweet. And so then when we go and look back at Genesis 1.26, where it says, let us make human beings in our image to be like us, the words us and our must be reverencing to God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit at creation, creating human beings, us, in their image. Wow. Try wrapping your mind around that and tell me that you were not wonderfully created. See, the words us, when you're created, you're created by one God expressing himself as three unique creators whose intention was for us to live a full and free life with the Lord. Everything in the world that the maker, God, had created, he created according to his imagination. But us, human beings, he created according to his image. Our identities often have direct correlation to God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But often Jesus will show himself to others through our relationships, our personalities, our gifts, and our passions. Now I'm going to do something that I'm really excited to do. Uh, I'm your guys' student pastor, as I said earlier. And so what I want to do is I want to take a moment to just brag on our students here really quick. And I'm really proud to do this. You see, if I would have came into the position as your guys' student pastor, viewing students as a problem to solve and that they needed fixing or that they were issues, then I would have never been able to see the gifting that God has placed within them. But because I came viewing them as wonders to behold, I've been able to see bits and pieces of the Lord's image in their personalities, in their giftings, in their character, and in who they are, and in our relationships. And so right now, I'm going to do that. I'm going to tell you some of our students' names and some of these different personalities and giftings, and, 
and relationships that we have together. Zach is musically talented, wise, and deeply creative. Keegan is strong, wild, and loves llamas. (laughs) Billy is bright, fun, and will talk with you about anything. Whitney is bold, relational, and all about living in the moment. Riley is genuine, thoughtful, and he can tell you anything about sports. For some reason, specifically Baker Mayfield and Lonzo Ball. Lara is a strong and lyrical baller on the piano. Hannah is joyful, tender-hearted, and she will kick your butt at Just Dance. Ben is steady, perceptive, and he'll eat three slices of pizza while being lactose intolerant. <laughs> Shayla is cool, stylish, and the second biggest Star Wars fan, after me, of course. Aaron is intelligent, open-minded, and he'll wear pajamas in public and to school just for fun. Kaylee is brave, caring, and a great wildlife leader. And now I could go on for so much longer about these students, and I could also say many things about the other students in our youth group. But I had a conversation with Brad, and he said that usually you speak for about 25, 30 minutes, and a three-hour-long message may not be a wonder but a problem after all. So. But my desire for our students is, is still for them to grow, to grow with Jesus and to specifically grow physically and mentally, relationally and spiritually just like Jesus did when he was a teenager in Luke 2, 52. But I also want our students to live in the freedom, truth, and grace of who Jesus is and knowing that they are wonderfully created and that they are not problems to solve or things that need to be fixed. In fact, I actually hope we can all live in that. I hope we can all live in the grace and truth of who Jesus is. And I think one of the best ways for us to recognize this ourselves is through this discipline of solitude and silence. And I know what you guys are thinking. That's, like, that's really hard to do, Russell. Do you know? Yeah, yeah. Trust me, I know. I had to practice this this whole month just to even be able to speak on it right now. And it was tough. Here are three specific examples. I remember getting my car multiple times and instead of jamming out to Kanye's new Jesus King album, I would stop and I'd turn off the radio and I would pause and I would invite Jesus into this moment. And I'd say, Lord, the next 10 to 15 minutes are about me being quiet, being with you, observing your creation as we drive by and thinking about you. And I'd come here to work and I would end up taking 10 to 15 minutes just to go walk around here in the back up by our park and say, Lord, I'm just going to walk around, observe your creation. And during this time, if you would bring thoughts and, and things to my heart and to my mind of, of who you are, I would love that. And then I'd take time at home and I'd, I'd stop and I'd pray and I'd get in my hands and knees and then I'd take some time to, to pause and reflect about what I was praying about and who the Lord is. But I'm not saying this was easy. This was really hard. Like, for real, there was times that I did this and I was like, man, did I even hear anything from God? Am I even sure that I even was thinking about anything? I'm pretty sure I fell asleep, actually, for about two minutes. Actually, I remember when I was looking outside of the car, I saw a cactus and I saw a cloud. That cloud looked like a Millennium Falcon. And there were multiple times where I was like, man, I don't feel like I did anything productive. But I recognized this. I recognized that after I spent that time alone by myself, being quiet and making that time available to be with Jesus, man, I felt so refreshed the rest of my day. I felt good about who I was. I felt alive and well. I felt like I was a wonder to behold. Because you see, solitude and silence are powerful means to grace. What ends up happening is through a time spent alone in silence and with God, he becomes greater and greater. And we think less and less about who we are on our own. We're going into the new year, 
And so we all know we're going into 2020 and we're leaving 2019. And a lot of us are like, yeah, 2020, I can't wait. There's so many cool things that are there. I'm so excited. 2019 was... <laughs> and there's some of us who are like, oh, 2019, like that was the blast. Like I loved everything. All my life happened in 2019 and I'm not, I'm not too sure about 2020. That's pretty scary. And usually what we do regardless is we make these, this tradition. That's like an American tradition or something. But we do this thing called New Year's resolutions. And this year for our New Year's resolution, I want to challenge us. What if your New Year's resolutions wasn't something that you're trying to solve or a problem about yourself that you're trying to fix? What if rather you spent some time with the Lord and you told God that my New Year's resolution is something that I want to celebrate about myself and enhance about who you've created me to be? And you can still strive to eat healthier and to get into better shape and to read the whole Bible in a year or to go on your dream vacation. Those are still good and great resolutions. Do those. But what if the first day of the new year, January 1, right after you're up till midnight or 1 a.m. partying, what if that first day in the new year, you went by yourself, alone, spending some time with God and just said something like this to him? God, thank you for who I am. This year, I want to live freely in who you've created me to be. So would you be with me as I listen to you and who that is and also as I make time to be with you this year? Are you viewing yourself as a problem to solve or as a wonder to behold? Because remember, the Lord views you as a wonder to behold and you were created wonderfully in his image. Can I pray for us? Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, we are so grateful uh, for the breath in our lungs and just to be able to wake up in your creation and experience life with you to the fullest. God, I just pray for us all in this room right now. As a lot of us coming into this new year are uncertain about uh, what life holds, are, are looking forward to what's coming up ahead. And I think it's gonna be really easy for a lot of us to come up with some resolutions that are fixing the things about ourselves that we don't like or changing up ways that we do things but God, I just ask that you lay on our hearts and on our minds that we were wonderfully created, that we are wonders to behold because you view us that way. <clears throat> Help us go into this new year wanting to celebrate and enhance the things that you have already been doing in our life. God, thank you for this morning. We love you so much. It's your name we son, we pray. Amen.